Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Open Channel, a Star Trek community podcast. I'm your host, Christopher D. Littlefield, and with me today is my very good friend, Brandy Jacola, host of Boldly Go and the Vedic Assembly. Hey, Brandy. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I am well, and I'm very happy to be here. It's been too long since we've been able to do this. It's been a long time. Yeah, months and months, and I missed it. <laughs> me too yeah. i'm so glad you're here so glad i'm here too listeners if we get a little silly it's just how we do sometimes so just bear with us yeah. and have a, and enjoy the ride yes buckle in and enjoy the ride <laughs> listeners open channel is dedicated to facilitating the fan conversation about every single brand new track episode as it drops and other topics we decide to talk about along the way for this episode, we asked you who your favorite Trek character of all time is, with the caveat that you couldn't pick one of the lead captain characters. And there were a lot of people that were not very happy about that. Or they tried to sneak in <laughs> captains, and then I had to make them go back and redo. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. To join the conversation on Facebook, type the Nexus into the search field and join our listeners group. Follow us on Twitter at Open Channel Trek. I'll post an open channel conversation thread after every new episode drops. Leave your comments, questions, concerns, and theories, and they just might get read on the air. Keep in mind that comments may be edited for time. So that's my spiel, and now we can have some fun. <laughs> yeah, party. All right, you want to go for it? Let's go for it. I want to hear what everybody had to say. Well, let's get this party started then. All right, Brandy. So we'll begin. Oh, oh, oh. I want you to say it. Hit it. Yes! <laughs> yes, yes, thank you. We begin with Karen Hasha, who says, My favorite character changes depending on what I've been watching most recently. At the moment, it's Agnes Girardi. Good choice. She seems a little bland when we first meet her, but over the course of the season, we see that she has hidden depths. But she keeps us guessing as to what exactly is hidden in those depths. Good one. Mm-hmm. I have to admit, I was not into her for most of the season until we got to about episode seven. And all of a sudden, it was like the blindfold was off and I understood the genius of her. So, yeah. and from and from that point on, I was just all team Jurati. <laughs> Yeah, I remember you weren't you weren't so warm to her at the beginning too. Yeah. I liked her from the beginning, but I did not see all of the different directions that she was going to come from throughout the season. Yeah. yeah, fascinating character. Yeah, that's a really cool choice, Karen. Mhm. Mm and I like that it's also a character that we've only known for one season and she's already kind of your you know, top one right now. Oh yeah. All right, at IDLLAP on Twitter says, It changes all the time, depending on what I'm watching or reading. Today, I'll go with Jordy LaForge. No one can shout, Coolant Leak, and do a barrel roll like Mr. LaForge. <laughs> 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 and I just see the, the, the door coming down and Jordy rolling under, barrel, barrel rolling underneath it in engineering. Mm hmm. Yep, that's, of course, that evokes a very specific 
uh, vision in my mind, as it does all Trek fans, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I love it. Now, I just us replaying in an endless loop in my head now. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> they should. Somebody should comp- compile all of those together. I bet that right? it exists somewhere. Maybe. I'll, I'll bet. Like. Honestly, let's just do in all of Trek. Every time somebody does a barrel roll <laughs> under something, over something, through something, I just want to see that. Like all the like the one compilation of Riker straddling chairs, getting up oh, from yeah. getting out of chairs, or like a compilation of uh, when they when they stand up and adjust the top, they pull yep. the top down, their mm-hmm. top down on their shirt. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, if that were the way my top was, I would be tugging it down every time I stood up as well. Because yeah. otherwise, it's all bunchy. It's all mm-hmm. bunchy. So anyway. They don't leave much to the imagination. <laughs> no, they do not. <laughs> they really, really don't. All right. Uh, enough fooling around. Greg Malumbi says, so many characters to choose from, but I think my ultimate favorite was Kira. You go from a terrorist slash freedom fighter, one man's terrorist, another man's freedom fighter, to commander of the station, and the journey was one of the best written characters in Trek. To have her trained Cardassian resistance fighters was a stroke of genius. I like that, Greg. Yeah. Yeah, it's I love Kira. She's one of my favorite things about Deep Space Nine. There are a lot of favorite things about Deep Space Nine for me. (laughs) That's my problem is that I have too many. It's like I love all of them. It's like asking me to choose which finger I like best. I like all of my fingers. (laughs) I need all of my fingers. Don't make me choose. (laughs) Well, Well, and you have a lot of experience with lots of different covering lots of different Star Trek series, which is really cool. I do. I've covered almost everything, not quite everything. Um, but yeah, I I feel like I need to cover everything at some point, And I think I'm going to get that chance in the future. So we'll see what happens. I guess we'll see. We'll see what the future holds, huh? Yeah, we'll see what the future holds. And, uh, you know, <laughs> Trek is, you know, almost infinite, if you know That's what I'm true. saying. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Mm-hmm. So those are just a couple juicy danglers that we're dropping there, listeners. I love that you're saying juicy danglers. Thank you. <laughs> I love juicy danglers. It's the best. <laughs> All right. At Marcus Cleaver on Twitter says, Great Star Trek needs great villains, and there is no one better than Gul Dukat. Fortunately, the writers gave him tremendous depth, and I love that there is that nuance right the way through DS9. That is true. Gul Dukat is one of those, another one of those fascinating characters and someone that you kind of love to hate. He's such, he's such a great foil. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's there from day one. He's there from episode one until the final episode. And honestly, I just feel like just make him a cast member because he was really there for the whole series and was important in that series yeah and he does have a really amazing arc like sometimes he's the good guy Mm -hmm. sometimes you actually sympathize right and even but even when he's the good guy he's got that look on his face that's like still kind of a bad guy Mm -hmm. but sometimes i help out a little bit if it serves me exactly it's like i'll do the right thing if it's in my own best interest right (laughs) okay 
Well, I am going to begin this one with a caveat of I'm not sure how this last name is pronounced. So, Stuart, I'm sorry. And if I butcher it, I apologize. I apologize. Uh, Stuart McElwain. I want to say it's McElwain. Worf. Yeah. I think he epitomizes the ethos of Star Trek, a race which was formerly an enemy of the Federation, now working with Starfleet and taking the best of both cultures on board. The journey of the character when he gets to DS9 only enhances his diversity, but he still manages to fit in. I like that. Yes. Ah, oh, Worf. I love Worf. I really love his DS9 stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. He got to do so much more there that he never got to do on Next Gen. It, I just really think it was a great move for yeah. that character. You think we'll get a Worf show? No. <laughs> I don't think we'll get a Worf show. I think we might get a Worf appearance in Picard. I think so, too. Yeah. Pretty sure we're going to. I would sure. love that. I People were just like, no, we don't need to see these people. Like, why don't we need to yeah, see these people? I, I need to see these people. Because they're still a part of Picard. You know, he spent so many years with these people that how can you not have them come back into his life here and there? Mm -hmm. They're his family. Yeah, especially now that he's not hiding away on his vineyard. Just just my opinion. No, I I agree. Thanks, Stuart. And Stuart, uh, again, we uh, please correct us with your last name and welcome to the show. (laughs) Yes. Mahogany Harris says Michael Burnham. Not only do I like her character, finally seeing someone like me represented on TV. Let's just say that I didn't know what I was missing. That is wonderful. Yeah, I love that, Mahogany. And Mahogany is a first-time commenter, Mm. even though she didn't say so. (laughs) And we met at (laughs) STLV last year. You've met everyone at STLV last year. (laughs) Do you know how many times I heard that in the last open channel? I know, I know. That's only because the people I know are commenting so much. <laughs> that That is true. That is true. And that's that's a wonderful thing. They're like, well, Chris has a podcast. Chris has a podcast. We might as well comment for him. <laughs> that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. And and I do know how that, that feels because uh, Discovery for me was also a, oh, my Lord, there is someone who is not a size two in a Starfleet uniform. Right. And she's awkward and... A, a, a Celt and a Ginger and I, yeah. Yeah. It's Tilly, you guys. It's oh, Tilly. Oh, that's who you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. And and I just, I just, it does make a huge difference when you, when you see someone like that. It's important to be able to see yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is. Well done. Yeah, I'm glad, Mahogany, that that you get to see yourself in Michael Burnham. I think that's so beautiful. And Mahogany is also a really badass cosplayer, too. Mm, I can only guess because I have not seen pictures. But if you say so, I believe it because, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't tend to exaggerate about that sort of thing. No. Yeah, no. Yeah. So way to go. And, And if anything, I think that representation especially for black people and other people of color is more important now than ever before. And oh, yeah. I mean, it's always been important, but just it's so timely. Right. You just really need this. We need this. Yeah. I think it's become where other people are starting to notice how important it is now. And that's mm-hmm. so key. Yes. Yes, it is. Because it's not that 
a lot of white people don't, you know, are, are racist, but we all have racist tendencies and we sure. all need to re-examine our thoughts and our attitudes as far as white people mm-hmm. and, uh, and actually see what's actually happening and what has been happening for hundreds of years and start working on a solution for that. Yeah, we all have to do a lot of... Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, it's true. We all have to do a lot of self-reflection with regards to these kind of things. You know, it's the only way that, that, that you know, things are going to get better is if it we is. start with ourselves and then help each other learn, you know? Yeah, that's the key. And even, you know, even if all you do is plant a seed with someone and just cause a little bit of thought, that is the first step to yeah. someone having that re-examination of their thoughts and biases and hopefully coming to the conclusion that all us all all people need to come to, which is that people are people. And that doesn't matter what gender you are, what gender identity you have, what sexual identity you have, what genitals you were born with, <laughs> what color you are, what religion you are, what physical size or shape you are. We are all the same under our skin and we should be pulling together instead of separating ourselves due to our differences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> Sorry, I just hijacked things there for a minute. That's okay. These are important conversations that need to be had. So, yeah, especially with white people. Mm-hmm. And I'm a white person, so mm-hmm. I need to I take up this platform wherever I get the chance. Yeah. Definitely. So, yeah. Oh, is it my turn? It's my turn, isn't it? It's your turn now. Okay, Kimberly Lawler says, Beverly Crusher, because she's an excellent doctor, always professional, but with a caring bedside manner, fiercely protective of her patients, intellectually curious, creative, graceful, self-confident, she's never afraid to challenge Picard or anyone else, and a great example of a working mother, but her personality, still somewhat guarded and restrained, which resonates with me. She was a huge role model for me growing up and honestly continues to be when I am trying to work on my assertiveness in my professional life i love that kimberly yeah oh wow that's fantastic role models are a good thing and if and i think a lot of it does come from trek sometimes because that's that future we're all trying to get to Mm -hmm. so way to go kimberly i love the dr crusher love yeah great choice and Suzanne Williamson, who we might know also from the network. She's on a couple different shows, including Boldly Go. Yeah. The Strange New Worlds podcast. Mm-hmm. And the Janeway, the Voyager podcast. Yeah. Suzanne says, after much consideration, I'm torn between Luoxana Troy and the Doctor. Luoxana unabashedly and unapologetically lives the life she wants. She has persevered through the many tragedies in her life and lets nothing keep her down. I can very much relate to the doctor's struggle to be seen as more than just a computer program. We've all been taken for granted or seen as less than in our lives by different people. The doctor is always looking to grow and expand his knowledge well beyond his initial programming. His growth shows me that no matter how we start our life, we can make the changes we want and to hell with the limitations others try to place on us preach right we're going to church today 
Preach. That's great, Suzanne. <laughs> Magnificent. That gave me goosebumps. I know. To hell with the limitations others try to place on us. Yeah. And the, with the limitations we try to place on ourselves oh. without realizing. Oh, snap. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm guilty of that. Oh, yeah. So Same. I work, I work on that. I'm working. Working on it. Working yeah. on it. Oh, great, Suzanne. Love it. Uh, oh, I get to do Liam. This is from <laughs> Liam Smart, one of my favorite people and also a co-host on the Vedic Assembly and on the Janeway. Yeah. And he says, I'm still having trouble. There's like 10 exclamation points after that. The reason I find it hard is because I relate to so many different characters in different ways. I will go through phases of who I like the most, so I feel like the best way for me to answer this question is who I am loving the most at the moment, and even doing that is hard across all series. If I had to choose someone who is consistently up there swimming at the top, though, it would be Seven of Nine. Her arc through Voyager and now Picard is amazing. I had to trim down Liam's comment a little bit so I <laughs> because he <laughs> went through all the series and put somebody, but there was the most with seven. <laughs> Which I appreciate because I love seven too. Uh, who doesn't? Mm -hmm. Honestly, can you think of anyone who's ever just been like, eh, seven and nine, meh. Right. Just not much depth <laughs> there. Not much of a story. <laughs> <sighs> I take her a lever. No, excellent choice. Of course you would choose someone from Voyager. Yeah. Kyung Hui says, Saru, he's such an inspirational character who left everything and everyone who he knew behind to seek a better life. He joined Starfleet to help others in need like he had been helped. As an immigrant, he pushed himself to be the best he could be and overachieved. Watching his character continue to mature on Discovery to become this confident and inspiring leader has been fun to watch. That moves me too. Yeah. I'm getting emotional, you guys. I know. And I agree. Like, I I think it's so amazing that people are seeing these depths and it has to do with the growth of the characters, right? And Saru, I definitely agree. I told Doug Jones something like that, something like that uh, at, at STLV last year. Did I mention I went to STLV last year? <laughs> um, did you? I had no idea. Why didn't we ever talk about that? I got I to gotta stop talking about it. No, don't ever stop talking about STLV. Well, there's no STLV this year, so we we have to kind of... STLV is yeah. really in our hearts. <laughs> yeah, ST, STLV exists in everyone's hearts, whether you've been or not. Well, this year anyway. Thanks, uh, Kyung, for, the, for, the, for that great comment about Saru. I love that. Same. All right. This one is short and sweet. Uh, Jerry Gilbert Paduano says, Jadzia Dax. By far my favorite character, her death was a major blow to me. Don't get me started on the death. I cannot. I cannot do that right now. I oh, cannot. my God. And the visual when she got lit. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. When she's mm -hmm. up in the. Oh, I can't. Please don't. No, just don't. <laughs> please don't. Because then I will need like 10 minutes before I can talk again. So that was rough. That was really yeah. rough. And I didn't know it was coming. It was just it just shook me when it happened. I didn't know it was coming either. And then afterwards, yeah. I was like, nah, it's not real. They're going to figure out a way. They're going to figure out a way to... Nope. No. She did. No. She did. <laughs> I've always loved Jadzia. Same. I, I mean, at first, I just didn't quite get her. And then, you know, with maturity came 
more clarity and I understood her better. Yeah. So I, I adore her. Yeah. I, 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 she was maybe in DS9, she was probably my favorite character. I need to rewatch though. Yeah, you should. And listen to the Vedic Assembly. I am. I'm going to <laughs> listen to the Vedic Assembly, which is the DS9 podcast, and, and mm-hmm. follow what you cover on that, too. Yes. we. Uh, it's fun. I've never... This is my first time covering DS9 for more than an episode or so. I know. And I just am so... I'm so stoked, you guys. I am, too. And in no way are we cross-promoting shamelessly the other shows on the network through this show oh, at no. all. So. We absolutely are doing that. Don't be afraid to be <laughs> yeah, we are. shameless. Yeah, don't... Uh, we are absolutely shamelessly cross-promoting because we are just... We're new. We're one big family over yeah. here. Yeah, totally. We've been through a lot together. Been through a lot together. And we are here to support each other. And so anytime we can cross-promote and help our friends, that's what we're going to do. Absolutely. This is the Starfleet way. It is. Janessica. <laughs> I always say Janessica. Ah. <laughs> uh, this is like the third time that I've done that. It's Janessa, and the last name is Kiharda. So it's Janessa Kiharda, not Janessica. But I kind of think maybe you should change your name now, Janessa. Mm-hmm. So I say it right. I think you should. She says, I'm going to pick the greatly underappreciated Esri Dax. Her insecurity, her awkwardness, and confusion greatly appeal to me. She's been saddled with something she never asked for at a terrible point in history, and she's not completely sure what to do with it. It makes her a refreshing change from usual hyper-competent Starfleet officers. That's great. Nice. I do think she was really underappreciated when the show first, when the show was running. Mm-hmm. Because I think that there was a lot of contempt because... Because she wasn't Jadzia. Hashtag not Jadzia. Yeah. But now when I look, I'm like, oh, she's really good. Like, she's really good. Yeah. And I think, I think honestly, a lot of the time, even today, she's still underappreciated. And I myself have been guilty of that. But no more. I am a, a, definitely an Esri Dax appreciator now, especially after reading some of the novels as well. That just enriched the character for me, even though they're not canon. Uh, I don't care. They're enjoyable, and I will incorporate those those characteristics into that character I see on screen as well. Yeah, I really like, even though the novels are not, you know, technically not canon, I really like that character-wise. They really do yes. a lot of good work with that, and you can easily put a lot of that into into what we know on screen. So much. And Nicole DeBear is a really great person and so generous with the fans at conventions. Because you've met her, haven't you? I don't, I didn't meet her, no. But I saw her. Oh, you saw her on a panel? Yeah, I saw her. Or just saw her in a convention hall? Uh, in a panel and walking around. She wa- she'll, you know, walk around and talk with people. Nice. Mm-hmm. She goes to a lot of the, you know, quote, gay events and stuff like that. And yeah, she's, she's lovely. Oh, I hope she comes to Utah someday. I hope so too. We don't get enough Trek guests up in the hair. It just need more. Okay, my turn again. Paloma Bennett says, My favorite Star Trek character is Deanna Troy because she is Captain Picard's main advisor. Troy is Picard's therapist, helps him understand other cultures, and reads the emotions of first contact aliens. I am an empathetic person, so I loved seeing one on screen. Nice, Paloma. Brandy, can you relate to that? 
I can absolutely <laughs> relate to that. But at the time that Next Generation was going on, I didn't know what that facet of myself was called. I didn't know it was a thing. I, yeah, same. So, but now I'm just like, yeah, I get that. Mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah, I didn't know either. I mean, I knew I was a sensitive boy, but I didn't know that there was like a way to channel that and explain it and kind of, I I mean, I hate to say put a label, but sometimes labels help us discover who we are. And so like, Mm -hmm. finding, finding that kind of empathic nature is so, is so great. And then watching it now to see, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. I feel that way, too. Mm -hmm. And she really, I mean, in Nepenthe and Picard, that was the moment when I was like, wow, wow, I get Troy. I mean, that's my favorite episode in season one because of Marina Sirtis. Mm, Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I loved every second she was on screen and how she was just like, I'm sorry, but you deserved that. (laughs) So get over yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, what an amazing performance and an amazing character. Oh, yeah. Joshua DeVries says, I'm going to have to say Deanna Troy. She's crazy smart and has a zest for life and chocolate that I really admire. I also love how strong she is, maintaining a work-life balance while looking after the mental health for so many people. I also love how, as the series goes along, she keeps rising to every challenge life throws at her. Very true. Absolutely true. And okay, I know, I don't remember episode names very well, but remember the episode where Deanna lost her empathic abilities and she was still doing therapy sessions mm-hmm. and you, second guessing everything, even though she's had all of this training. Was that the loss? I believe so. I don't remember. But I know that Riker really gives her what for. It's just like, you know, oh, now you have to just be like everyone else on the ship. Boo hoo. Uh-huh. And that really kind of shakes her out of her complacency. And she realizes in a, if another session later with the same person where she just felt like she wasn't saying the right thing, that she was absolutely saying the right thing because she was relying on her training and not her abilities as an empath. Right. It was a really important episode for her. Yeah, it's the loss. Yeah, that's a really good episode. Mm-hmm. Because I like that they give the character a chance to they take away something that's an identifying characteristic for the character and then what do you do what do you do with that yeah and that that was the thing she had no idea who she was without that and she comes to realize that she is still everything even without her empathic ability right so that that didn't make her life the way it is she didn't become a counselor without training just relying on her empathic abilities she she worked her butt off. And she did the work. Yeah, mm-hmm. she did the work. So a little love for Troy. Love for Troy. I'm not surprised at that. I expected at least one person to pick Troy. Okay, Carlos Perez says, Dr. Leonard Bones McCoy from TOS. He was the moral conscience of the team. Whenever McCoy spoke, we could imagine ourselves saying the exact same thing. Plus, DeForest Kelly was one of the sweetest individuals I have ever met. A true Southern gentleman from an older time. I love that, yeah. Carlos. I I can see that. I can see why Bones from TOS is 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 your favorite character. Yeah, no complaints there. Um, I never had the opportunity to meet DeForest Kelly. I didn't either. In fact, I haven't had the opportunity to meet a lot of Trek people 
because of, you know, them not coming here. And also, you know, <laughs> there was also one year where they had pretty much the entire cast of TNG, but the only way that you could really meet them all was if you, A, had a buttload of money, or B, had a buttload of money, and then purchased the Star Trek Next Generation Experience bundle, and, you know, got all of the autographs and everything in that way. And uh, at that time, I was not able, I wasn't flush with cash. So I was not able to meet any of them. We'll just pause for a moment. You okay? I'm okay. I'm totally okay. It's okay. Okay. I was able to see the entire cast together. <laughs> shut your face. <laughs> just shut your face. Uh, I lived in Florida for a very short period of time in 2013 at the beginning of 2013 i'm so sorry <laughs> well i said it was a short period of time no offense if you live in florida it just wasn't for me and uh it was when they had the encounter at far point anniversary so it was everyone from from that episode with with, with tasha and with q also and wesley it was pretty cool yeah our our big thing was in 2017 which was the 30 year anniversary so oh yeah that's why they did that and I was so jealous of everyone that got to partake of that. But hey, life goes on. Life goes on, and there there could be an opportunity in the future, too. It's possible. But I'm not sure that I can afford it any more in the future than I could then. It was a lot of money, guys. It really was. I didn't do any of the meet and greets or this, the autograph. I don't really care about autographs, personally. But I do like to have pictures with people. Yeah, well, that's the thing. A lot of uh, a lot of celebrities don't necessarily do meet and greets, mm -hmm. but a lot more of them are doing selfies. I've noticed, which right. you know, I will go for a selfie over a photo op because I can see how I look in the selfie. I cannot right. see how I look in the photo op, and I have taken some bad pictures. So I got yeah. really lucky with the photo ops that I did. That I did officially do which was with William Shatner and Patrick Stewart those both came out really great um and then then the selfie thing is just great because you just it's like 10 15 bucks you can pay cash quick sell get in line take a selfie and then that's it I think that's brilliant oh you're cute if you think all of them are like 10 15 dollars you're adorable <laughs> <laughs> well maybe I picked the ones that were just like yeah sure 10 bucks yeah, that's uh, that's not been my experience, but, yeah. that, you know, it was still worth it to me over having a photo op because, again, I know what I look like. When... And it's so fast. Yeah. It's like, boom, you're done. Yeah, you don't get a second chance. Yeah, if it looks bad, that's it. Yeah, Forever. well, and see, I did that with Garrett Wong, and he was so cool. I love Garrett yeah, Wong. Yeah, he's so nice. And he was just, you know... The person was taking the picture and she took like one. He's like, no, 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 no. Get a couple. Get get a few and let's look at that and make sure that she's okay with that. And I'm just like, I love you. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. You know, Doug Jones, when I when I did mine with him at STLV, um, <laughs> the person taking the pictures was just like, click, 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 click over and over and over again and Doug was like hugging on you and like talking to me talking to you and everything and it was it was so cool so generous mm -hmm. uh, that's another dream meet is Doug Jones I have adored him for the better part of three decades yeah he's 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 a good guy he is all right I don't know if I'm going to mess up this name but Ellen Froelich 
Menning. I think that was right. I think Forlick is right. That's my guess. Who who I believe is also a first time commenter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for that punch for that button. <laughs> I, I'm here to serve. It's great. Ellen also says Dr. McCoy because he equals orneriness. I made sure that I said orneriness properly and didn't accidentally say something else. Mm-hmm. Ellen goes on. However, I must say I loved him best as played by Carl Urban. Interesting. The writing for his lines was fabulous. In my opinion, they totally captured the McCoy personality. I loved the explanation they presented as to how Kirk came to meet and call him Bones. Brilliant. That scene still remains one of my all-time favorite scenes. I love that scene. And I think Carl Urban is great as McCoy. He's he's perfect. Yeah. As someone who's been watching since the original series, he is perfect. He's McCoy. Yeah. Yeah. That's all there is to it. Mm-hmm. I've met him. You have? I have. Is he nice? He was nice to me. I think that when he was at FanX, that uh, he wasn't feeling 100%. Uh-huh. And so there were some people that... I, I think he just doesn't suffer fools. So there were some people who were just like, oh, well, he was just... He was crabby. But he was lovely to me. And in fact, when we were waiting in line before he had gotten to the booth and when he came out, he came to the crowd and he walked you know, up and down the line and he shook everyone's hand and I'm just like oh. but I had actually had a picture with him earlier, so I'd already had my oh my god, I'm touching Carl Urban moment. So but it was He's it was so just handsome. really he he really, really is. And I I feel that he is a decent person and a good person and he loves yeah. playing D D. So there we go. Yeah, he's a big old nerd. Yeah, I I love his nerdiness and uh I you know people can say what they want. Some people have good experiences, some people don't. Not everyone is a hundred percent great all the time. And that's called being human. But here's the funny part. Being human was a series that he was on that should have been renewed and oh. wasn't and <laughs> I see what you did there. I did. Everybody who watched <laughs> Being Human was going, ah! I don't know that show. It. I really liked it. It, it was futuristic, and he was he was a police officer, and uh, they had tried uh, synthetic uh, law enforcement for a bit, and some things had gone wrong. Ooh. And anyway, long story short, there there's this android that gets activated and made to be his partner. And he had been deactivated for some kind of freak out, they said. But what actually happened was probably quite different. And he was just, I think it was more that they were afraid that these these uh, synthetic people were becoming too human. Oh, I'm going to have to look that series up now. That sounds like something I would like. I, I think you would like it. It's, it, you know, there's a lot going on there. It's not just all cop drama sort of thing. And it is, you know, futuristic. And there were a lot of things. There were a lot of threads in that season that I now will never have resolved because it was not renewed. And I was so upset. Yeah. Sometimes those series end up being really, really good through the test of time, though, those kind of things. It's true. You know? And and honestly, you know, the, the, the way I feel about him playing McCoy is the same way I feel about him playing Judge Dredd because he was perfect as Judge Dredd. Absolutely perfect. Okay, sorry. I'm done about <laughs> Carl Urban. I just had to I gush for a minute. I told you, listeners. 
I told you we were going to go off the rails, so I warned you. Hey, it was Trek-related. It was Trek-related, and there's more coming up, so I'm sure that there's there's more fun to be had as mm-hmm. we continue. Oh, you know but it. let's get back to the listeners. Let's do it. Okay, Russ Davis says, Data. I suppose his childlike innocence and curiosity, along with his inability to do the wrong thing. Also, he doubles as a flotation device. <laughs> In the event of a water landing. <laughs> And that is good to know. Yeah. Oh, that's such a great scene. It's such a great line. The matter of fact way that he says it is the best part. At Gator Northern on Twitter says, Lieutenant Commander Data, always seeking to improve himself, would make sacrifices to preserve life, respectful of other cultures and races, loyal, great integrity, and seeks to understand. Oh, that's nice. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree with all of these things. Yeah, these the people that are commenting are really capturing the essence of these characters so well with their words. They are. and Really, really well done. I think that is important because that helps all the rest of us, I think, understand better why we have favorite characters, really. Yeah, yeah. And just understand why people are intrigued by certain aspects of a character, so... Mm-hmm. Sometimes I have trouble putting into words why I love a character. And so when someone can express themselves in such a great way, I, I am sometimes a little envious of that. I know. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, I love her. She's so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's such a badass. Okay. Mm-hmm. But these people are like actually, you know, creating prose yes. <laughs> out of why. Yes. Yes, they are. They are indeed. So well done, all of you. Yeah. All right, some more Data love coming your way with Ian Buckley. Favorite main character is Data, his journey to be more human and his occasional blindness to the ways in which he had already succeeded will always hold meaning to me. I'm getting emotional. I know. Someone who doesn't always read social cues correctly, I related to him. Wow. I'm having a moment. I'm I'm having a moment. That's okay. You're allowed to have have a moment. This is a safe space. I know I'm safe with you. Yeah, of course. I didn't expect that, but I didn't either. Yeah. As someone who doesn't read social cues correctly, Ian, that's so that's so awesome that data ah I know I'm getting a little bit verklempt also. To walk amongst yourselves. I mean listen look, he says his occasional blind his occasional blindness to the ways in which he had already succeeded. Mm-hmm. Like it it wasn't data wasn't like that because it was an emotional overlooking of his successes it was just because you know he's he he didn't have emotions and he's an android and intelligent you know i mean he had emotions in the way that he could have emotions but we do that too we we overlook in the ways that we succeed also i do it all the time mm-hmm. you know we're so hard on ourselves yeah sometimes yeah well a lot of the time i think it comes from comparison And that's a dangerous, dangerous game to play because, yes, you can compare yourselves to others, but honestly, there is no other that can compare to you because you are an original. Right. You know? Yeah. Like Aaron Burr said, I am an original. I am an minimal. I am an original. So, and that's true of every single person on this planet, even identical twins, because there are still differences, (laughs) even with identical twins. So there you go. I, I didn't mean for you to cry on this episode, Brandy. No, no. Come on, really? 
Everybody <laughs> should be taking bets every time I'm on the show of who's going to make Brandy cry. Come on. You know better than that. Uh, all right. We are going to move on to uh, one of the top two characters picked for this conversation. And our first comment comes from Dan Gunther, whose name sounds a little bit familiar to me. Have you heard of have you heard that name before, Brandy? You know, I have heard it frequently because he has an excellent YouTube channel called Kurt Ratz Productions. And if you have ever wanted to see every Easter egg in every episode of Trek ever, you need to go subscribe to his YouTube channel. And that's Kurt Ratz, which is Star Trek spelled backwards. Yeah, which I, you know, even when I heard it the first time, I'm like, oh, that's Star Trek backwards. That's clever. And yet some people still, even if they see it written out, they're not quite. But I can read backwards, so I uh. shouldn't. I should say you know, I shouldn't complain about other people not getting it because I can read backwards and upside down. It's very weird. Um, my brain, my brain is weird. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love you. That's one of the reasons why I love you. Oh, I love you. I like weird brains. Mm -hmm. Well, I got a good one. I like weird brains and I cannot lie. I got a juicy weird brain up in there. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded so wrong. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. Um, yeah. So check out Dan, Dan Gunther's page, YouTube page and uh, the, the show that he does with Bruce Gibson, Positively Trek mm -hmm. is wonderful. It is wonderful. I love it. Bruce is another good friend of ours. Yes. And, and Dan's a married man now. Dan just got married last week. Yes. He's been married for a week as of this recording. So uh, yeah. Congratulations, Dan. I'm so happy for him. And the pictures are so beautiful. I know. It just, it, it was so weird to see him in a suit, though. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Dan. I love you. <laughs> I love you too, Dan. Dan says, it's got to be Garrick. Yeah. Such a fascinating introduction, and he only got more compelling with each appearance. Played brilliantly by Andrew Robinson, the character was built on so much subtext and innuendo not exactly a hero, but not completely a villain either. Plus, his relationship with Dr. Bashir was so wonderful to see evolve. Watch The Wire again to see just how brilliant Andy Robinson was in this role. Incredible. Mm -hmm. Garrick was one that I didn't appreciate enough when the series ran. And now that I look back, it, it's a, he's a lot more impactful for me now. Yeah, he's one of those people that I sat up and take I took notice the first time I saw him. And so when people were would press me on, you know, what's your favorite DS9 character? I'd often say Garrick. Uh. So, it, you know, I separate it into recurring character versus main cast character. And I can also separate it into male character versus female character, alien character versus human mm. character, because I can have a lot more favorites that way. That's true. That's smart. Mm -hmm. And you're not good at you're not one to really commonly pick favorites. So. No, if if I if I pick a favorite, you know, it's super important to me. And sometimes you have favorites that you don't tell other people what they are. This is true because no one knows like your my favorite, favorite captain. captain. Yeah, right. No one, no one knows. I have ideas, but I but I'm not. I don't even want to entertain that. I don't even want to entertain it because I kind of like the mystery. Mm -hmm. That's why I do and, this. <laughs> and even if I guessed it, you would not. You would neither confirm nor deny it. <laughs> this is true. 
this is true. But, you know, if there were a mentalist nearby, they would be able to tell when I was lying because I have a friend who's a mentalist and a magician, and he can tell when people are lying just by the way they say something. That's and, cool. And uh, it's, 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 he's got a, um, like a master's degree in anthropology and he just knows human behavior inside and out and it's just amazing to watch him work paul draper everyone paul draper paul draper is his name and you can find him on youtube as well and he's actually been doing uh zoom magician shows what uh, he'll do like for birthdays and and meetings and stuff like that and he is amazing he is absolutely amazing and really an amiable guy. Just really cool. Look him up. Look him up. Cool. Sorry about that. Hijacked again. <laughs> Actually, I'm not sorry. Don't be sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry for pimping a friend who deserves no. to be well known. So You pimp your friends. I will. Kirsty Keene says, it's got to be Garrick. He is just so fascinating. Neither good nor evil, but many subtle shades of gray. And Ostrecki says, it has to be Garrick for me. Mysterious, murky background and always working every angle of every situation. I love what they did with him in the novels post DS9. With Worf, he probably undergoes the most growth and change from beginning to end. Mm. Interesting. That's a fair assessment. Mm -hmm. Casey Pettit says, I have a hard time picking a favorite. There are so many good characters, and a lot of characters are great because of their interactions with the other characters. However, Garrick is probably my favorite. He's not even a main character, but he gets so much growth while still being shrouded in mystery. I'd love to know more about him, which can be done by reading A Stitch in Time by none other than Andrew Robinson, but I also love not knowing everything about him. Hmm. I don't know a stitch in time. I have heard of it, but I haven't read it. But you're you're darn tootin' I'm gonna. <laughs> I like that the Casey that you also love not knowing everything about him because it's definitely so much the nature of of that character. Mm-hmm. Well, and and honestly, why would you want to know everything about a character? That little bit of mystery is great. Just like you don't know everything about. A human being uh -huh. in real life like i i have been married for almost 23 years and i still i'm sure that there are things that i don't know about my husband <laughs> and yeah. there are things that he doesn't know about me because you can't fully completely know someone inside and out because there are always those things that are just for you Nicholas Paul Collinson another host on the network he's also in the Vedic Assembly yeah Nick says, I'm going to have to go with everyone's favorite plain, simple tailor. It's got to be Garrick. He's so complex and he goes through so much growth and he's so in love with Bashir. Mm -hmm. They are my, mm -hmm. they are my OTP. Every moment with him in the show is brilliant and he gets some great extra character development in Una McCormick's DS9 novel Enigma Tales. I have heard of that one as well, but again, haven't read it. There are so many books and I looked up OTP, and it's like one true pair or one true pairing, something like that. I had never heard that before. I had not either. It might be an Australian thing. Maybe. Did you get the when? Did you get the love thing with him and Bashir when you first watched it? Oh, absolutely. Maybe it it was just it went over my head when this when the series first ran. I I did get that, but then you know I was 
well into my, I mean, I was getting into my early twenties. It was late teens when it started. I think it was 19 when it started. And, uh, so yeah, I was, I was starting to become much more aware of the real world because mm-hmm. I grew up kind of sheltered. Trek helped with that. Thanks, Trek. Appreciate you, you know, being there to show me different viewpoints and different ideas of what a society can be like. So well done. Right. So Brandy, we're, this is now we're moving to the other, other character that's tied for the most comments. So I guess we're in the final phase of everyone's favorite character. So at a Eichler seven of nine on Twitter says my favorite Star Trek character is Spock. And I mean the original played by Leonard Nimoy. I like him because he was logical and disciplined and I have tried to live my life in the same way. I am also a first time commenter on this podcast. Nicely done. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I didn't know that was coming, so I just winged it. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> so we've we've come to Spock. We've come to 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 the Spock. Mm-hmm. I like that that A. Eichler's favorite Spock is Leonard Nimoy. Yes, the original. Yeah, you can you can love any Spock you want. There's enough Spock to go around. At NeilKid75 on Twitter says Spock. To me, he is Star Trek. He represented Idik, the exploration of space and of self, loyalty, family, sacrifice for the greater good, finding acceptance for who you are, not what you are, and looking beyond initial appearances. What made him different made him great. And this is making me emotional now again. Mm-hmm. Neil Kidd, that's really great. I love oh, I love that. Yes. Yeah, he's he's I mean, he's the most human, you know, mm-hmm. to me. I, I love Spock. Same. Mm-hmm. But anyone who's heard me on any Discovery podcast already knows that. Yeah. So, yeah. So at uh, Rob Vaughn 18 on Twitter says, there are so many I could name, but I'll name Spock. His ideals and morals are literally what Trek is. And he also made the ultimate sacrifice when he died to save the Enterprise. In the prime timeline. In the prime timeline. <laughs> um I'm not, I'm not going to talk about what happened in the Kelvin timeline because I think that, uh, no, I'm not even going to say what I think about it. It does. It's yeah. not necessary. Nobody needs to know that. Um, well, it's really specifically into darkness for you that, <laughs> right? Yeah. Sorry. I said, sorry, I said it. We can move on. Mm, yes, please. Let's move All on. Right. <laughs> At Burn Learning on Twitter says, Spock's the quintessential Star Trek character. He was the voice of reason, yet understood all sides. He was more than capable of taking charge of a situation. He stood alone in a room full of people. His differences made him great. What an eloquent comment. Mm-hmm. I burn learning. Uh, he stood alone in a room full of people. That I relate to that so mm. much. See. <laughs> I know you do. Yeah. Quintessential Star Trek character. I I agree. I do too. Um, well, and if you think about it, he is the only person that actually survived the original pilot episode. He was the only character that became a character in the original series as it aired on television. Right. So there was something about it even then that resonated 
with some people. And I think some people were also really, oh, no, he has pointed ears. He looks like a devil. He's a devil. <sighs> but anyway, that's okay because Gene Roddenberry didn't care. And he kept Spock out of all of those people in that pilot episode. So Well, he wanted him to look like the devil. He wanted him to be red. That would have been not a good idea. I don't think so either. <laughs> not not in 1966, you guys. Yeah, too much. Um, I mean, they didn't let a woman on be the you know for God's sake. So yeah, well, listen to the first episode of Boldly Go coming soon, and you'll see how we feel about that. All right, I can't um, wait. <laughs> Clara Jean Cook says, This is a hard question to answer as I love so many Trek characters, but I have to return to the character I first loved as a child, Mr. Spock. I think I was sort of attracted to how smart he was and how loyal he was to his friends despite being very different than everyone on the ship. I think I often felt lonely as a child as I had no siblings, and I did feel quite different than other people, as I have a very active imagination, and seeing Spock succeed in Star Trek comforted me. I love the character even more since I found out that he has a learning difficulty as I suffer from dyslexia, and to see a really smart character who struggles with certain things sometimes is really encouraging. Wow. Oh, man. That's a great... That's great. Yeah. I I feel you, Clara. <laughs> I feel you. Yeah. I feel you really hard. Um, I have two siblings, and I still was a very lonely child because I was very different. I'm, I am very different, and I'm okay with that. Don't don't feel bad for me. So yeah, I'm thankful for that for you. Mm -hmm. yeah. I I am I'm I celebrate my differences and appreciate them. So yeah, but well well put. And it makes you it makes you. It makes you really able to empathize with others more, you know, I think. And, you know, Spock is like that, too, even though mm. he's he's torn between this emotion and, you know, logical side and all that kind of stuff. And I think also in Discovery, seeing him as a little kid and Michael saying how he was an empathic person and a sensitive person, mm -hmm. you know. I love how she told him your humanity was beautiful. Right. That's the part. That's the part I'm thinking of, I think. Yep. Yep. That happened on Telos 4. Yeah. Because I know all of those I love episodes. That episode. It's a fantastic episode. That episode, oh, that's to me is like the, like a divine intermission type of episode in season two of Discovery. Mm -hmm. It was just like a game changer. Once the previously on Star Trek happened, mm -hmm. I was like, oh shit. Here we go. Yeah, I was just, honestly, when that happened, I was, of course, I, I watch every episode with my husband. And so when that happened, I literally just went, what is happening? Yes. This is amazing. Yes. yes. I started crying. I was just. I was freaking out. Yeah. And then when they, when they faded from Jeffrey Hunter into Anson Mount, <sighs> I was like, holy oh. crap, this is brilliant. It was so perfect. It was, it was so perfect. And I, I think I need to explain for people who haven't heard me on a podcast before that <laughs> my emotional reaction to pretty much every emotion is crying. Uh, so pick an emotion and the extreme uh, reaction of that emotion is going to be crying for me. So <laughs> it's not always a bad thing. It's no. just, just the way I'm, I'm built. Yeah, I love you for it. And I love you for it. Because <laughs> you, you're not afraid to cry either. Nah. All right. This comment I saved for last because 
it's a it stood out from all the rest of the comments to me mm-hmm. and i'd love to talk about it so at thrifty trekkie on twitter says julian bashir because his greatest strength is his ability to care i think he really is the federation ideal and seeing him at odds with the federation is so intriguing to me I also think he is fabulous neurodivergent and queer representation. He's autistic. His parents thought that they should, quote, fix this, and really, they didn't change anything. That's how that episode read to me anyway, along with his earlier characterization, being a bit awkward but clearly intelligent, and worried about showing off. I feel it. And I combine this with him being transgender. I know others read him that way as well, but one could certainly see him choosing his name as a testament to him finally being allowed to be himself, not allowing his parents to dictate who he should be. Mm. So this comment really moved me because, you know, we get increasing representation throughout Star Trek as time goes on, and, and transgender representation is, like, basically nil there's not specific exact transgender representation yet although i hear that's changing wonderful i know i know i know i'm gonna get emotional now it's okay safe space yeah <laughs> but i feel like if some if someone can identify with a character even that's not specifically written as trans transgender i i just think that is so beautiful because this is ds9 when this was not a co- common topic you know transgender rights and and trans people being out and talking about it was not something that was incredibly common well it's not even as common as it should be right now but it's it's becoming more important in the conversation and so for someone to see that in a character is that's like the essence of star trek and i can certainly see why thrifty trekkie you you feel that way and along with the neurodivergent representation as well that's that really that's really awesome yeah, I agree. That episode where you find out that he was augmented just blew me away the first time that I saw that. And just the way his parents were with him. Uh, yeah, I it's just such thought a good episode. Yeah. It, is, it is such a good episode. And I really felt that, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a in any way a transgender person or anything like that but i know how it feels to have someone look at you as a child and think you need fixing mm-hmm. that you know i'm to this i'm to that and that's something that needs to be worked on i know how that feels and so that episode hit me hard in a way that i hadn't expected i was not in any way prepared for that and to and I think that that was the thing that finally I mean I was I was it took me a little time to warm up to Bashir and I did you know right about season two is when I really started vibing with him but then when that episode happens that just changed everything and just made him like in bright lights for me I guess is the way to say it yeah yeah and they I mean I see that episode as kind of I mean, it's obviously a game-changing episode for the character, but it's also one of those episodes where the writers decided to break the rules because 
they didn't leave everything the same. And and DS9 did this a lot increasingly throughout its run, but they didn't leave everything the same at the end of the episode as it was at the beginning. Yes. And for this character, they completely changed his identity or who, what we thought his identity was, or they, they mm-hmm. thrust something upon him that made him, again, like the Troy episode, like the loss. They took away something that he that he thought or gave him new information that completely made him question everything. Yeah. And he was never the same after that. And we never saw him the same after that. No. And the, the beauty of it is once you've seen that and once you've seen Deep Space Nine as a whole, whenever you go back for a rewatch, you start with that knowledge. And it makes all of those earlier mm-hmm. episodes quite different yeah. as far as that character. Yeah. So, And and like seeing seeing, you know, relating it to autism too it's like yeah i mean he's he also he also had issues picking up social cues you know mm-hmm. and so i can totally see that and i'm i'm i actually liked bashir when he first appeared but also i thought he was really cute so maybe that kind of shaded <laughs> shaded me a little bit but i i know my sisters were just like oh this guy is hot <laughs> yeah he's so cute he is very cute and he's such beautiful eyes thrifty chucky that that was a beautiful comment and thank you so much for sharing initially the commenter just said julian Bashir and said just a little bit and i and i asked that they tell us more so i wanted to save this comment for last because because you took the time to really explain it more and i'm so glad that you did indeed very appreciative thank you all right. Well, that brings us to the end of your comments for this week. Listeners, Brandy, what'd you think about all this and what everybody brought to the table with their favorite non-lead Star Trek characters? I loved hearing all of these comments, every single one of them, because it's it's one of those wonderful things when you get to talk about a favorite and it just leaves you with a good feeling no matter what your favorite is. So, and if, if your favorite didn't pop up in this list, well, then that's, that doesn't mean it's not anybody's favorite. I mean, just means that these were the people that commented and that we, that, that you curated. And I bet you got way more comments than just the ones that we've covered here. There were a lot and I didn't expect to get so many. And I didn't expect so many of the responses that we got too. Mm Mm-hmm. There were a lot that that made me raise an eyebrow in a good way. And I do really appreciate all the Garrick love. I do too. Well. A lot of people said when I posted this that there was going to be a ton of Garrick. And I didn't. I was like, no way, no way. And sure enough. Mm-hmm. So, Brandy, who's your favorite non-lead Star Trek character? <laughs> that look. <laughs> Um, well, like I said, I have favorites for every series, but right. uh, very much like Clara Jean Cook, I'm going to go with my first love, which is Mr. Spock. Yeah. And I, the, the funny thing is, is I'm a very emotional person and I, I was, I became aware of that, like really aware that I was different at about age four or five. And uh, I could identify with that aspect of Spock, of him being the different person in this group full of humans because I always felt completely out of place in every social situation at school at church sometimes even at home yeah and uh so I I really identify with that but not only that but I love his brain oh he's got a great brain sexy brain such such a sexy brain you get to see that juicy brain a big juicy brain you get to see it in Spock's brain (laughs) 
And, uh, you know, I, I, most people who know me know that I'm not a huge fan of the Kelvin timeline. And I feel that the most Spock that Zachary Quinto ever was, was in actually beyond. Definitely. And I actually could feel that. And I, I really honestly do not fault him for any of his performances at Spock, as Spock, um, I had more problems with writing, forced pairings, things like that. Mm-hmm. But as as far as the actual character, I mean, he he was he was he was really there in in that groove for Beyond. I felt yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm sorry, I'm sorry, folks. For me, Ethan Peck blew him out of the water. Oh man! Completely out of the water. Oh man! Yep. Yep. I can't, I, I can't I, talk about him without crying, so just don't ask. It was one of those things that, like, they wait. They made us wait so long to see him in seven episodes. We heard him, but we mm-hmm. didn't see him until halfway through the season. And then when we see him, he's not really fully him. And I'm like, when are we getting Spock at the very end? <laughs> at the very end, of course. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I was, and there there are people who say, we know everything about this character. Uh, No, we do not. We do not know everything about this character. And there are are things to explore there. Yeah. So, you know, and the thing, I think the thing that put it over the top for me as far as original series, uh, there were two things that put it over the top for me. Uh, One was the episode, The Devil in the Dark. Oh, this is when mm-hmm. I realized Spock was very important to me because, number one, that's a terrifying episode. I spent most of it on my father's lap. And uh, number two, you he- get to see Spock mind melding with a non-humanoid alien and interpreting this alien's feelings, basically. And as a child, I understood that concept, but not completely. And so my first reaction is, well, while he's explaining all of the pain, you know, just just crying out in pain because he is channeling the Horta's feelings. I'm just like, why are you hurting my Spock? I had that thought and I'm just like, oh, okay. That's how I feel. And then the thing that just cemented it really was the menagerie part one and two, because basically, I mean, the love that Spock had for Pike was what made him basically mutiny to take his former captain back to a place where he could live out his life in comfort and peace and actually feel like he was all of him again. And that kind of dedication, that's just amazing. See, I told you not to do this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Well, I, so I fell in love. Spock is my favorite character and I have caveats too. I mean, I have, you know, it. I could put it in categories too. So favorite character that was regular is Spock, definitely. And I fell in love with Spock in The Voyage Home when I saw that in the, in the theaters. And that's my favorite TOS film. And seeing him again, he's in a situation to where he's not himself. Mm-hmm. He's still trying to figure out who he is. And it's like, 
there's this theme with Spock. He's just always trying to find himself. You know, he's always mm-hmm. trying. He's always torn. He's always torn between different things. And and, to, you know, it's that's that's so much what the human experience is. And now that we have earlier Spock with Discovery and Strange New Worlds soon. It's like you we can see him at so many different areas of his life as a little kid. Mm-hmm. as a teenager in search for spock and then you know the original series show and then the original series films and so it's like you can kind of trace where he is in that journey now and it's different depending on where he is in his life his relationship to his accepting of his humanity and his rejecting his humanity and just how he goes back and forth between that his whole life. Yeah, and it's it's a journey I am happy to be on. I'm I never imagined, you know, after the Kelvin movies that I would get more Spock in a series. And now I get to have even more Spock in a series and Yeah. Oof, that just and How rich. Really oh my god. god. Yeah. And when I go and rewatch Discovery season two now, I still notice new things and I still mm-hmm. notice more depth in there. That's I mean, Ethan is just he's he's incredible. And he just he just dug into that character like nobody's business. He did. He had the hardest job of season two. Yeah. Because. Oh, yeah. He was the character with the most history and he had to be terrified. I can feel how terrified he had to have been. How can you not be? Right. But do you remember when Discovery Season 2, when we first heard the voiceover, when Michael and brother, when Michael goes to his quarters and we hear the voiceover mm-hmm. and it's Ethan and you and I both said, oh, my God, he captured the cadence of Leonard Nimoy's voice like perfectly, like the rhythm and the cadence of the voice. He just he was Spock in that moment and we hadn't even seen him yet. Yeah. Oh, he worked on that. He studied the way Leonard Nimoy spoke as Spock and how he he never said censors it was always censors censors and yep. certain ways that he would say you know the way he said captain all of the there were very specific things that he he incorporated into his performance to just make it Spock for me and i really honestly didn't think that was possible after the kelvin movies i just thought i know i don't i don't know that, that anyone can do this and i'll be honest when i first saw the the trailer for season 2 which i can't remember if that was at san diego comic con or if, i can't remember i think it was that that's where it broke but when i first saw that the minute i heard his voice without even thinking about it because, you know, I didn't know that that was Spock speaking at the time. So the minute I heard his voice, I was like, who is that? I need to know more. Yeah. And then when I found out it was Spock, I'm like, oh, you're going to have to bleep this. But holy fucking shit. It was. <laughs> wow. Just and all of a sudden I was just like, OK, I wasn't sure about bringing Spock into this. And now I'm game. Let's do this. Yeah. And he knew, Ethan knew that coming into it. Because mm-hmm. a lot yeah. of people were like enough Spock already. And he knew he was the new kid coming in and, and giving us more Spock. And he just. Yeah. I'm just, I'm so glad that he, that he accepted the role. I'm so, 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 so glad. Me too. I'm touching my, my Spock pin. 
Is that the this is this is Ethan's this is Ethan's Spock, yes. The fan set, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just just gonna pet him for a minute. <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, if I had to choose number one, only one Star Trek person that I could meet forever and always is it would be Ethan Peck. I, I I know you're gonna meet him one day. I know it. I can feel it. I hope so, because I feel like it's just getting a smaller and smaller possibility, <laughs> especially with cons not going on right now. And, I know. Uh, I just have to keep the faith. Well, this was so much fun. I'm, I love podcasting. I mean, I love you, and I also love podcasting with you. So it's. I'm so glad it worked out that you could do this episode, yes. seeing as how it all led led up to Spock anyway. And I know we both share that love. Yeah, I appreciate you letting me come and do this with you because also I love you and I love podcasting with you. And every time we do it, I just come away from it feeling wonderful. So. <laughs> it's the truth. And we're on a new network now with lots of new stuff going on. So much new stuff and still Very more stuff exciting. coming. Still more stuff coming. Yeah, yeah. so much. It's, yeah. So I'm so happy that this is all coming together and we're doing these things. It's crazy and great. Tell our listeners, please, where to find you. Uh, too many places. So. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on uh, Twitter at Brandywine12Brandy is with an I. 12 is the number 12. And uh, you can also find me on Instagram as BrandyJackola. It's J-A-C-K-O-L-A, just like it sounds, but it can trip people up sometimes. And uh, you can hear me, as aforementioned, on Boldly Ghost, our Arrange the Worlds podcast, and Vedic Assembly, which is our DS9 podcast. And uh, I'm on Boldly Go with my friend Suzanne. And I can't wait for you guys to hear that first episode. I just, I can't wait. I'm so excited by it. You don't even know. And I just love that it's hosted by the women. Like, that's the, women. the coolest. That's oh. the coolest thing. We recognize that and talk about that more than once. Good. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, yeah, you can also find me every Saturday now at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on Twitch doing a show with my friend Aaron Harvey called Infinite Trek. And you can find that on the channel Outpost 13. It's Outpost, spelled the normal way, and the number th- number the number 13. <laughs> Suddenly, I can't speak words. And uh, yeah, we, we call it Infinite Trek because we didn't want to be limited about how we talk about Trek. So if it's Trek or Trek adjacent, we're going to cover it at some point. And uh, we already have, we, we put out a tester episode where it was our, basically our uh, our tech day. If right. you if you were in theater, it was our tech day, and uh, we actually did release that as a podcast, which you can find on the Trek Geeks Network. Yeah. So every every Saturday at eleven a.m. Pacific, and then it will be released as a podcast on Monday on Trek Geeks. Uh, thinking, thinking, thinking. Uh, head cannon. Oh yeah, I I do stuff. I do I do a solo <laughs> podcast called Head Cannon where I talk about all of my other fandoms too. And uh, it's a crazy trip through my brain. Um because my brain is is juicy crazy, you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, I like it and a lot. It's 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 fun. It's a chaotic fun place to be for me. So come and join me with that as I just wend my way through all of the other things that I love. And I also do a podcast with my husband called The Dark Corner where we 
again, it's, it's just like unlimited. We talk about whatever we want, but it's from a bit of a darker perspective. However, um, the next episode that's coming up is going to be really interesting because we are talking about, and I kid you not, marble racing. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And it is way more fun than you can possibly imagine. Okay. Not not actually personal marble racing, but uh, the the lovely folks at Last Week Tonight with John Oliver put us on to a YouTube channel called Yella's Marble Runs, and it's Yella spelled J-E-L-L-E. And seriously, it the reason that it's so great is because it's done so seriously, like you're watching cars racing, but it's marbles. And he builds stands for all the marble teams. He's got stands with all the different marble teams in them. They all have names. And he builds these amazing tracks. And he, you know, like every marble on every team has a name. <laughs> it's oh my God. just, it is amazing it will just make you happy go to youtube and watch <laughs> yellow's marble runs that's all i have to all say right. about that <laughs> uh, oh and you can find those things on at darkcornerpodcast.com <laughs> nice okay i'm done thanks again for being here oh it's been my pleasure of course so much fun always with you Listeners, it has been such a joy talking about your favorite non-lead Star Trek characters with Brandy today, and I'm so thrilled that you're a part of this Star Trek family conversation. You can join the Open Channel conversation on Twitter and Facebook by following us at Open Channel Trek, and join our listeners group on Facebook by typing the Nexus into the search field. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at CD Littlefield. Our next episode will be your comments on the series premiere of Star Trek Lower Decks, so keep an eye out for my open channel conversation threads on Facebook and Twitter, which I will post right before Season 1, Episode 1 drops this Thursday. Thanks for listening to Open Channel. Channel open, standing by. He got a big juicy brain. This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program for Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. And she starts swinging it in a ridiculously reckless way. That is so over the top that I was laughing out loud. It's putting a smile on my face. I know you were laughing I really when you first related saw it. to that moment. <laughs> you know I get over the top. It was, uh, I just think it gives a good idea at her. And the way they cut around it, it's so close in her face. You're like, oh my God, she's crazy. And then we get the moment where she just slices it into his leg. And it's very graphic. Oh, it's re- detail. You see the muscle, like the different muscles torn. You can like see the, the Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's I think you see bone as well. Loading Hollowsweet preview program for The Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. The orangey skin makes me think of something else. Makes you think nowadays. of Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, it, and bad hair. Oh my god! He's Kazon. Donald Trump is Kazon. Trump is Kazon. Oh my god! I'm surprised he's not calling himself Marge Trump. <laughs> because he's not very bright either. No. It fits perfectly. I understand it all now. We've we've just been taken over by the Kazon. And we didn't even realize it. No. Oh my god. <laughs> Listeners, we've just sold the mystery of the last four years in the United States. Loading Hollowsuite preview program for There Are Four Questions, a Star Trek Spotlight podcast. I always thought I was special that I knew that the theme came from the end of 
of the original motion picture. Like I thought nobody knew that, but me. <laughs> and of course that was dumb to think, but that was, and that was the thing that, that always really sort of stuck with me. So in getting to, in getting to work on discovery, it was, you know, really, really an amazing experience for me and an amazing thought to be able to start working in this world of this kind of narrative. But when, when I talked to Alex about doing um, Picard, it was on a whole nother level of, of connection for me. Computer, deactivate Holosuite. 